0: Hello and welcome to a windy day that is probably going to create a bunch of extra noise. I'm Jim and I'm going to go over the week that was in Pro Wrestling and MMA uh, while I sip coffee. So let me let's do an overview first in terms of what I watched this week. Uh, Today is the 26th of September, Saturday morning. So going back to last Saturday, the 19th, there was a Ring of Honor show. There was New Japan Strong. There was the opening night of the G1 Climax. Uh, What else we got? There was a UFC that afternoon. There was... The second night of the G1 Climax, third night of the G1 Climax, and the fourth night of the G1 Climax is what we're up to, and then I guess if we want to touch on the pre-fight press conference for the UFC coming up this uh, weekend, tomorrow, we can do that too. But, there's a fair bit to get through, so we'll jump in. Um, Ring of Honor. This isn't what I started my week with because it only becomes available on the website um, most of the week later. So I think it's like Wednesday or Thursday before I get to watch it. But um, this is week two of the Ring of Honor Pure Championship Tournament to crown a new Pure Champion. Really enjoyed week one. Uh, I like what they're doing with the new rules. The uh, No closed fist strikes to the head. Uh, You only get three rope breaks per match. 15-minute time limits. You know, very um, sports-based rule set presentation. Uh, They shake hands before the match. Uh, And the first couple of matches on that first show, I wouldn't call it shoot style, but it was a little more realistic or realism based pro wrestling than a lot of what you would see so i enjoyed that Uh, and this is week two so we had uh, last week's winners were jay lethal the only person in the tournament that's previously been a pure champion for ring of honor he defeated the former ring of honor world champion dalton castle dalton castle why do i say it like that I would say Dalton Castle if I were to maintain a consistent accent and the other victory came uh, from Lethal's tag-team partner Jonathan Gresham so this show on the 19th it begins with promos from both of them Lethal's is a bit better than Gresham's but neither of them are spectacular although I don't mind that it's it's all pretty serious I would compare it to Bret Hart in the early or mid-90s where everyone said, oh, he's not a good promo. But I would prefer someone just talk seriously like anyone else would in any other sport in any interview and be believable that way rather than be over-the-top, campy, stupid, silly, cringy, trying to be some stupid character. So... They get marks from me for that, that they just kind of talk normally, and I don't think they're a couple of Drongos. Anyway, uh, a good promo, however, was the interview segment before the first match on this show. The first match on this show was to be between David Finley and Rocky Romero, and... I got to tell you, on paper that that match doesn't really get me going. But this promo I thought was really good. So it's the same as the first episode. They've got the multiple cameras, sit down interview, um, cutting away to highlights and whatnot. And Finley goes through his uh, about being a fourth generation wrestler, about his tough start in the New Japan Dojo, about his recent shoulder injury and the long road back for that. Um, and it actually, it it's the most interesting he's been to me in a long time. Um, he considers Romero a, a mentor of his, but he also knows him very well, so he's confident he can win. He starts talking about his finisher. He starts talking about a leg submission he's working on. Um, so that was really good. Romero talks about the early days of the LA Dojo, working with Antonio Inoki, doing that catch wrestling, and saying that's prepared him really well for this tournament. And um, that... Uh, this is going on his resume. That this is something people are going to remember him by, and he's, uh, yeah, looking to get past Finley. So Finley does during the match target the knee, and his new submission appears to be a modified figure four, which is instead of the two opponents facing each other when the move's locked in. Finley's kind of at a right angle instead, and he uses his foot rather than the bottom of his shin to apply the pressure. So it's not exactly groundbreaking, but at the same time, it's fine. It's like, it's not a silly move either. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't get anywhere, though. Um, Rocky gets out of it. Rocky gets a warning for throwing a punch. I didn't even see it. I went back and replayed it a couple times. I couldn't even see where the punch was. So... Rocky protests, and I, you know, I don't know if that was genuine or not, if he was really like, what the hell, referee, I didn't punch anyone, or if I'm just blind and I missed it. But, in any case, um, they, they, actually, there was a couple botches in the match, um, Finley uses up his second rope break with a, an armbar from Romero. Big backbreaker goes close to a win for Finley, but the last shot finishes the job. So Finley advances to face Jay Lethal in the semi-final. Uh, next match is Delirious versus Matt Seidel. I haven't got a lot to say about this because, well, let me tell you what I've got to say about it. Uh, Seidel, in so it's the same interview, um, you know, set up before the match. Seidel talks about his memories of wrestling with Delirious. You know, I don't have a lot of experience with Delirious, especially promo-wise. So I don't know if he's always spoken his own language. Um, I mean, it's creative, but it just was kind of cringy to me, to be honest. Um, Yeah, right. And then they just kind of had a pro wrestling match. It wasn't really... In that, uh, you know, it, it wasn't based with any kind of realistic mat wrestling or anything. It's, it's I don't think that's really what these guys do, uh, and at all. So, um, Sidell locks in a Cobra Clutch, which is Delirious's own move, and wins with that. So that's a that's something. And they keep referring to Sidell's third eye. I don't know what that is either. Again, I'm not... I'm new to this. I should... Maybe I should have prefaced. I I haven't been keeping up with Ring of Honor at all. I heard about this tournament. It's right up my alley. So, obviously, Ring of Honor has not been doing a lot anyway, given the pandemic, but... Um, recently. But, yeah, I'm not keeping up. But, I mean, before that, I would only really watch Ring of Honor when New Japan was involved, so... Yeah. Yeah, this show wasn't as good as the first one, but I'll keep watching. I'll watch the tournament. Um, Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so Seidel's going to face Gresham. Anyway, let's move on. New Japan strong in the LA Dojo. Uh, The commentary for this is not my favorite. They've got an upcoming tournament called Lions Break Crown that will feature the eight participants in the first match. And it says in the little vignette they prepared that the winner receives an opportunity. At what I don't know. They didn't tell me. Um, so, yeah. All right. Cool. The first match is between all of the participants in this, uh, in this this tournament. Lines break. Crown. So. Danny Limelight, who I've been impressed with. He's pretty cool. There's Logan Regal, uh, Clark Connors, who I like as well. Adrian Quest, Jordan Clearwater, otherwise known as the tall one. The DKC, he's got a lot of energy. Barrett Brown's got a look to him. And uh, Blake Christian. They all look like geeks, though, pretty much. I mean, I'll just be honest. Um, particularly the second team, actually. Yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. I would have thought they would have liked Clearwater the most, though, given he is the tallest. But he's the guy that ends up getting pinned. Regal, or Rigel, it might be Rigel, blind tags in and hits a one of those kind of big delayed jumping DDTs because he's half the bloody size of Clearwater, so he has to do it that way. Uh, yeah, he, he wins by pinfall. There you go. Next match was... PJ Black and Rocky Romero versus Fred Rosser, formerly known as Darren Brown? uh, so what was his name? The 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 primetime players. Darren something. Uh what was his name? Darren something Darren? Darren something? I think it was Darren something. Anyway. Um He looks good though. He got um Oh, sorry, and Mysterioso is his partner, the luchador that's been on this show from the beginning. Um, yeah, Fred Rosser looks good. He's playing the big man, which uh, he looks the part against Rocky, at least. It, it, it. I mean, look, hey, I'm no... I don't want to judge too harshly here, but I believe Rosser has had some kind of breast surgery. So his nipples are in a different place than where they once were. I googled this because I'm a normal adult and it it appears that well all I found on it was unfortunately was just kind of a reddit post about his nipples being weird and it just seemed to be that they were really low um I think he if if I had to guess I think he was probably a bigger guy and he lost weight you know he was he had some he was a bit of a tub tub And he lost some weight, and he got fit, and he got in shape. But, you know, the skin was still saggy, so that's what his nipples are connected to, and down they go. Um, But he's a handsome lad, so he's gone and picked him up from (laughs) the bottom of his boobs. And uh, now they're, I guess, where they're supposed to be. So I don't know if it looks weird because it's different, or if it looks weird because it might be a bit of a botch on the surgery... I think it just looks normal, I don't know. Or maybe they're not as real nipples. Maybe they're like, we can't save these. So, they just created new ones. Maybe they're just cigarette burns. I don't know. Um, the, uh, it, it's, it's not, uh, the pixel count isn't good enough on my feed to be able to make a really accurate assessment. So, anyway um i'm i'm i mean it's i'm not making fun it was i I didn't like that he was made fun of that that's what i all I could find that someone kind of made pointed out that it looked weird so then he's obviously felt uh insecure about it and gone and got something done but he looks great he looks great um and not just uh physically and in appearance wise he he looks good in the ring like he he's um yeah I don't know they they maybe they can do something with him. The final match was ACH and Alex Zane versus Tamatonga and Tangaloa. Zane kicks out of Gorilla Warfare, which is an average looking double team move that the Gorillas do, and then he counters the attempt at the Fatality, the double powerbomb that they do. Him and ACH try to isolate Loa, but uh, he fights back by. Watching a catch, although he recovered pretty well. Zane jumped at him and lower kind of he jumped too low and lower couldn't really hold him up properly, but he turned him into a he turned it into a side slam, so you know, I mean that's all he could really do. Fair enough. Um, and then he hit his finisher, he's got kind of like a Samoan driver, I think, that he uses. So lower pins Zane and uh, the gorillas go backstage to cut a bad promo. And then Kelly and Kozlov sign off at the end. Uh, And they actually shed a little bit of light on the crown tournament that I think all it awards you is that you won the crown tournament. I don't think it gets you anything else. So I don't know what winning a tournament that's just made up and is between a bunch of geeks means, but okay, you know, they're trying. Anyway, here we go. The big stuff happens now. Saturday night was New Japan, G1 Climax 30, opening night at the Edion Arena in Osaka. There is no English commentary available, or at least not live. I think they've been adding it shortly after, but I haven't been watching these late enough to listen to any English commentary on it. And frankly, I don't think I would anyway, just because I don't need to hear Kevin Kelly on the phone calling over the top of wrestling. He, you know, is watching on his television. It uh, doesn't sound very appealing to me. Um, pretty healthy crowd in attendance, but uh, they're still only allowed to clap rather than make any noises, uh, or any noises with their mouth, anyway. So before every uh, block... or on, on every show, before the block matches begin, there's one match, and it's between... One, oh sorry, between two of three young lions. So the first one's Yuya, Yurimura versus Yoda Suji, And uh, Suji has the winning record over Yurimura because they've fought up dozens of times at this point. And, uh, but I mean, look, this is a bigger stage than usual, of course, for most of them, especially recently. Uh, and Yurimura picks up the victory with a Boston Crab so uh taps out his dojo rival. big win for Uemura. backstage suji um this is to become a trend, I don't know what it is, but suji apologizes to Gabe, Gabriel Kidd, the other one uh, the other young line involved he says he's sorry for taking out his frustrations on him, uh that the other l a dojo young lines couldn't make it because he wanted to face all of them um, and he yeah, I don't know. It doesn't even say anything about just losing a match to Yurim- Uramora. But whatever. All right. Yuromura says he's got some new things he wants to try out, but he won't necessarily be giving away his new moves during the uh, the matches for this uh, tour. So, okay, great. Anyway, here we go. Block, or A block, I should say. Block, A, A block. First match of the G1 tournament tournament. 30th edition, Will Ospreay versus Yujiro Takahashi. One thing I noticed was that Osprey was introduced as just the assassin. So they omitted Ariel, the aerial assassin. So um, perhaps that's because he's added significant mass to his frame. He's put on a few kilos at least. He looks good. Um, he still holds the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship and now looks even more the part. The audience welcome Osprey back with a a huge round of applause. Like, just as much of a pop as they were able to give him without being able to make any sound with their mouths. Uh, So, he's clearly pumped about it. Um, I think they even applauded a little extra when he takes his coat off to reveal that he's, you know, grown a bit. Um, They like that. But uh, he proves early in the match that he's still maintained his agility. He's got a few of his signature flips that he pulls off. He counters Tokyo Pimps, which is the sit-out inverted front power slam by landing on his feet, and then he hits a a rushed hidden blade, that elbow to the back of the head, and uh, goes straight for the Stormbreaker to win by pinfall. Osprey. Getting off the mark. Very nice. Sorry, bear with me while I edit this as I go. Oh, gee, this promo that Osprey cuts, though. So usually they wouldn't cut a promo in the... Particularly not in the second match of a show. But Osprey takes the mic and just cuts a generic promo about... Being back and being the best. And it's not very good. And then backstage, he kind of says the same things. And he's got a lot of confidence, which I don't know if is a good thing or a bad thing. Like, maybe he shouldn't have the confidence that these promos are good but also maybe that confidence will just lead him kind of blindly into the persona that might kind of put him in that next level i don't know i hope it's the latter because i don't know these promos are brutal um speaking of brutal promos jeff cobb's up next uh, Chi is his opponent. Rumor has it that Cobb signed with New Japan full-time recently. Um, I think that's pretty well confirmed given he's in the G1 and, um, I mean, that was, uh, apparently his goal all along. He was in AEW for a minute and then, yeah, back to, uh, New Japan. So, good for him. He certainly found a good tanning place in Japan because, uh, he's looking pretty dark. Uh, Taichi in fact Looks like he's actually worked out Going into this And um, when he takes off his coat It sounds like the crowd Almost kind of give him a mocking Version of the Reaction they gave Osprey for his Efforts in the gym um, So that was kind of funny But um, Tai He does a little bit of time wasting He does a little bit of cheating For the most part though Gets a clean win over Cobb. Black Mephisto, one, two, three. Tai Chi takes it, which I have no problem with. I am uh, not the biggest Tai Chi fan either, but um, yeah. Uh, well, let's let's let's. <laughs> if you t- just watch this Jeff Cobb promo after the match, and you'll understand what I'm saying. He keeps the. I can't cut a promo, which is why I'm in Japan speaking English spirit alive. Uh, Basically just saying that he didn't want to lose, but that he lost. Great, thanks. Taichi, on the other hand, is hilarious. He says lifting fatties like Jeff Hogg makes him tired, and he hates the G1. (laughs) Um, He keeps referring to him as a sumo wrestler as well, but then... Uh, he gets a bit more serious in reference to his next opponent, who is Suzuki gun leader, Suzuki. So um, he, he dares Suzuki to try and kill him as he has been threatened with. So there you go. There's something to look forward to. Speaking of the man, Minoru Suzuki takes on Tomohiro Ishii in the next match. And you just know what's in store in this one. Um, although, it's important to note, perhaps, Ishii would earn himself a title shot, uh, the, the never, the openweight title that Suzuki holds, with a win over the champ here, so, um, fair to say the tournament is enough of a reason to want to win the match anyway, but, so these two, uh, go at it, and beat the crap out of each other, um, so it's the, the, what i i'll say this the silence of the crowd if if nothing else it enhances just the cracking sound of these two walloping each other um but oh there oh, there's also a headbutt as well as a big headbutt um they they've just it's fantastic this match they fight each other like they hate each other um Although, it did also make me think, what a cool tag team they would make. And they can just do this to everyone else. But, um... Suzuki does this kind of interesting back takedown and... sinks in the, the hooks to try and secure the sleeper. Ishii wriggles free. The first pile driver attempt was counted, but Suzuki ends up dropping Ishii with the second one. Making the cover. And winning the match. So... Uh, Yes, Suzuki wins, and backstage, just with the most menacing of Suzuki looks, simply states to the cameras, Taichi's next. Next match: Shingo Takagi versus Jay White. Another good match, um, and another return. White making his return to Japan. We've seen him in New Japan Strong a couple times, but um, we haven't seen the situation with evil resolved in front of us. So Gato's still behind White as he makes his entrance. They still interact with each other normally. They throw up the two suite. Everything seems unaffected by the evil situation. Um, And again, you know, obviously another man working out before the G1 takes off his jacket, poses for the crowd who politely clap for him because he's in very clearly fantastic shape. Um, But he loses their support as soon as he rolls out of the ring and his dastardly ways continue, using the elements offensively and time-wasting and evading and defense. Um, Yeah, the crowd appreciate the Shingo comeback. They stomp their feet when White kicks out of Last of the Dragon. White distracts the referee, Gato goes in, gets dropped by Shingo, who also see sees White's sneak attack coming. So he dodges that. The crowd are as loud as they can be. The, the applause is thunderous. Red Shoes goes down again. The crowd groans. Shingo hits Last of the Dragon, but there's no one to count it. White hits a low blow, calls the referee, Blade Runner, White wins by pinfall. Oh my goodness, am I getting sick of these finishes and these dumb referees but um, yeah as you imagine Shingo is pissed off backstage promises revenge on White, Gato and Bullet Club and as a whole uh, <laughs> White orders some poor woman backstage to bring him and Gato a chair who just frantically obeys uh, he's calling himself King Switch now and the last rock and roller as well like uh, Prince Devitt used to um, so a couple new nicknames for him. Now we have the main event, a rematch of the uh, what was it? It was the the first main event of the Tokyo Dome Wrestle Kingdom fourteen. Um, yeah, Kazuchika Okada versus Kota Ibushi. They start at pace, which is good given. You know how long these guys could go, so they want to fit plenty in. They don't uh, fuss about. They get straight in. Um, Abushi has an unsteady moment on the top rope, but still manages to leap to the corner and give Okada a Frankensteiner. That was pretty impressive. Um, Abushi goes for the Bomoye, but runs into a second tombstone, which is quickly followed up by the money clip, which Okada is still persistently trying to make something of. Ibushi powers out eventually, it's about the 20 minute mark when a Rainmaker is attempted, uh, it's counted into a kick and then a knee, but then a drop kick comes the other way from Okada, uh, another flying knee is followed by the Kamagoye and Okada stays down, um, quite surprisingly, the crowd is surprised, I was surprised, Abushi gets him pretty early on, uh, it, it just seemed a bit cut short, Um, although having said that, I, I have no problem with them mixing up the match lengths for less predictability because New Japan's, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but New Japan's predictable very often. So, um, I mean, it wasn't an early finish in terms of the time frame; It was probably like 22 minutes or something, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, It just felt a bit cut short. But anyway, Ibushi wins. He's thankful for everyone that came out to see the show. This is him on the mic after the match. Uh, His finishing statement is a bit odd. He said, I will become God. And then he tries to clarify this backstage by saying, uh, you know, uh, some people think um, Tanahashi and uh, Nakamura are gods to him. But no, no, not that. That's not what he's trying to be. What he's trying to be is to become a god with a capital G. So... Oh, my god. Sorry about that. That, um... Oh, my god was me realizing I left something in the oven. But it turned out great. Um, okay, so Ibushi is god. Uh, wants to create the universe, I guess, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> moving on. UFC was the next day, UFC on ESPN Plus, number 36, in the Apex facility in Las Vegas. <clears throat> they really pushed the grudge between the main eventers. So this was uh, main evented by Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley, which is a pretty big fight for ESPN Plus. Apparently, Woodley spent the whole pre-fight press conference answering every question with Black Lives Matter. Um, And Colby Covington is super MAGA, Donald Trump supporter, so he is All Lives Matter. Um, So, yeah, pretty political. Uh, Political edge to the grudge, but they hated each other anyway. Former teammates, I think. Uh, I don't know. Anyway... Um, I just—I mean, obviously Colby's the bad guy, but it's—I mean, the thing about Woodley is, even when he's absolutely right, or like—I mean, look, I, I'm not commenting on the cause, but even if it was something that you were a hundred percent behind, there's just something about Woodley that always just comes off as a bad attempt to be likeable. I'm probably just biased. But, I don't know. I don't think it's an abnormal opinion. It's not like he ever popped a pay-per-view buy rate, and maybe that's why he's on ESPN+. But anyway, um, uh, I'll I'll run through the main card matches here. We had Kevin Holland defeating Darren Stewart with a split decision. Stewart had a dominant third round, but the first two went Holland's way. Um, Holland was actually super... Um, honest in the post-fight interview he said he thought it was a draw and he'd be happy to run it back but he also threw his hat in the ring if Maya were to or someone were to pull out um, in the the Maya and um, calms that fight I think is what they're setting up Um, I don't know that guy fights on this or hams that I don't know There's a few guys from that region that uh, have hard to pronounce names and I'm still learning how to follow exactly. That was at middleweight. So at um, women's strawweight, Mackenzie Dern and Randa Marcos had a, well, they had a fight. Um, It was pretty one-sided. Marcos, though, she has an interesting record in the UFC. Since debuting, she's had the longest streak of never having the same result twice in a row. So, there, she's had one draw in there, but she's always otherwise gone win-loss, 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 win-loss. Now, she lost the last fight, so if she was to lose here, it would ruin her... I don't know if that's a streak she likes or not, but it would ruin it. And it got ruined. <laughs> Dern took her down pretty quick... Um, Marcos, for some reason, uh, just kind of... Oh, no, that's right. Dern kicked, did a leg kick, but she stretched too far out, and she just kind of fell over. And then Marcos just jumped in her guard. Like, Mackenzie Dern, all she has is jiu-jitsu. And Marcos is just like, Oh, okay, you want to do jujitsu? Let's do that. And she gets tapped out in like two minutes. So, nice one. Um, it was a... It was an armbar. Uh, yeah, she... I've got to... She can't free her leg from half guard, but she's high enough to skew with the S mount. Takes an arm. Marcos is flexible. Oh, that's right, yeah. Marcos is real tough. And uh, stayed calm. Because she had that armbar on a long time, but Dern kind of twisted it around enough and eventually got the tap. Dern's kind of weird because she talks with a... Brazilian accent, even though she never used to have a Brazilian accent, but grew up in a, in, in America, but whatever. Anyway, Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann at light heavyweight. Um, Walker's fun to watch because he's a nutcase and he goes flying in, um, but Spann takes control. Um, they separate and Walker is just as careless, getting clipped, going down. He recovers again. Oh, sorry, he recovers and then is knocked down again. This time, as Span moves in, Walker stuffs his takedown and then just starts landing these really heavy hammer fists to the side of Span's head. Span's in trouble, he kind of uh, appears that he's hurt. Um, Walker follows up with elbows, and the fight stopped. Uh, This time, instead of another insane celebration, since Walker got injured last time doing some flip or something stupid, uh, he just sits in the middle of the ring in a meditative state. Um, But then he says afterwards, Walker, that he wants to stay in the UFC, he's only getting better, and he's happy to fight any light heavyweight or heavyweight. So that's something. Next up at middleweight, um, ugh. These are fun names. Comes at Chimeyev versus Gerald Mierschart. Yeah. Okay. Their, their names are longer than this fight was. Chimeyev throws a body kick early, and then they kind of circle a little bit, and then the first punch that anyone threw knocks Gerald out just clean out one right hand from Kamzat, bang Gerald goes down fight stopped um oh there was a few he threw a couple more punches while he was down but I mean the fight was over it was just a matter of the referee getting over there so um yeah there's a bit of a hype train behind this guy he asked for the 50k bonus it looks like he has a cleft palate but it's it like it was repaired and the scar remains or maybe he just got his lip busted open real bad at some point. I don't know. Badass look. His English is good. And he speaks... He's, he's kind of quiet. He speaks very simply and calmly. That everything went as expected. So, there you go. Um, the next fight was set up to be a banger. Donald Cerrone, Cowboy Cerrone versus Nico Price. Um, both of these guys are controlled forms of insanity. Though there's more on the line for Cerrone because I believe he was staring down the barrel of his fifth straight loss. Um, So, strong start for Price against the traditionally slow starter in Cerrone. Um, He started to come back, but then an eye poke delayed that. Price was real nice about it. He acknowledged it. He apologized. But then it happens again. And Price is (laughs) kind of hilariously... Really upset about it. Like, oh, come on! Um, But not at, like, the referee for stopping it or anything like that. He's upset at just, like, the luck, I guess, of this having happened again. Um, um, Actually, he loses a point as well. The referee took a point from Price. And he wasn't even upset about that. He was just upset that he poked his hero in the eye. But um, Cerrone comes back in the second round and is doing a lot better. Uh, and then in the third round Price comes out kind of talking to himself Um, they hug as well they're, you know, real chummy Um, there's another eye poke and this time Price didn't react at first but then he kind of goes down like as if he was eye poked as well and I don't know if he was or not but it kind of looked like maybe He was thinking, oh man, if, you know, I'm going to get another point taken if I've done another eye poke, so maybe I should just pretend that I got eye poke too. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't know if he's that smart or not, but um, anyway, the referee's checking on Cerrone and from across the cage, Price is like, I'm good, baby, you good? And Cerrone's like, oh, yeah, okay, let's keep fighting. Um, The handshake again. So, it goes to a decision, which is a majority draw, because they scored two rounds for Price, but um, the round that... Uh, well, would it have, No, actually, no, it wouldn't have been that. It would have been that the first round was 9-9, because they scored it for Price. But he got that point taken away. And then they scored one point for Cerrone, one round for Cerrone, one round for Price, so that, uh, yeah, ends as a draw. So Price is pumped about it, which is really weird. He's, like, just psyched that he didn't lose to Cerrone. Um, and just the commentary team and Cerrone are just completely bemused by Price's energy about a draw. But what a character. Anyway, um, main event time. Covington versus Woodley. Covington comes out to Kurt Angle's theme. Which clinches it. I definitely want him to win. I, you know, no MAGA fan or anything, but just from a pro wrestling standpoint, he's definitely more interesting than Woodley. Uh, Which is definitely shown in this match where Woodley really doesn't do anything. Um, Before the fight, Woodley throws out a glove during the stand down as if Covington was ever going to do it. It's just sad. He's just standing there with his glove out. Um, yeah less than a minute in Covington takes him down Um, Covington lands um, some pretty big shots in the first round actually second round's closer but nothing too significant there was an eye poke on Woodley that he takes his time recovering from the commentary team tell the same old story of Woodley during this of just he needs to do more if he wants to win he needs to do something And then his corner tells him the same thing during rounds, like, you need to do something. Um, Covington just kind of controls the fight, he pushes him up against the cage, he gets another takedown, he lands punches from on top, he busts Woodley open, Uh, there's blood going in his eyes, Covington's clearly winning the fight. Woodley's got to be one of the most frustrating guys to coach at this point in his career. Uh, and they're just firing up this corner going into the final round Woodley's corner tell him straight up you need to stop him you aren't going to win otherwise but he just doesn't do anything and and then Covington gets a takedown and uh, Woodley starts screaming that his ribs hurt and that's it the fight's called off Um, the replay doesn't really shine any light on exactly what happened there but I don't know he hurt his rib And Woodley is still the king of anti-climactic finishes. So, um, backstage, Covington says the beating he put on Woodley is nothing compared to how bad Trump will beat Sleepy Joe. Um, And then he says something about LeBron James, calls out Usman, the champion. Uh, Yeah, that was about it. The press conference... Ah, uh, we'll run over it quickly. So, Cerrone had some nice things to say about Nico. Kind of backs Trump as well. Says he's looking forward to the world going back to normal. Uh, thinks all of this is an overreaction for the virus. He doesn't wear a mask. He doesn't want to. Um, so, not exactly a babyface promo, but I guess that depends on your politics. Price said he felt bad about the eye pokes, but he had a lot of fun, and he wants the bonus so he can feed his five kids. Uh, he also calls a main event between them a rematch he said he's happy to do the main event, it should be a rematch sorry, it should be a main event Dana White comes out, he says there's a performance of the night for a couple of the undercard fights Uh, Dern and Camzart says Woodley didn't show up just knows that it was a rib injury not sure why, thinks he should retire Um, says Gilbert Burns is next for Usman, so Colby isn't next but he's up there he would consider a between Colby and Masvidal, um, and he was also thinking about talking to Cowboy about retiring. Uh, really likes Cam's art, thinks he's special, and says uh, Colby is a he pushes the needle, so to speak. He's he's a a bit of a draw as a bad guy. Um, and then speaking of draws, thinks Adesanya versus Costa is a Going to do a great pay-per-view number and be fight of the year. So, um, then Colby comes out and just... He starts by talking about Woodley and Masvidal's ex-wives. That's how he starts his press conference. Um, he says he wants the world title or the BMF title. Of course Woodley a spineless coward and a woke little bitch. Um, yeah, not really holding back, old uh, Kobe there. Colby, sure. Says Says he's a company man. um, Reminisced about how Trump called him. Trump? Donald Trump, President of the United States, called Colby before the fight to say that he's his biggest fan. Apparently he called him after as well. I didn't see that part of the press conference, but... Yeah. Um, And then the the last question for Colby is uh, the schmo, who's kind of this... um, I don't know, mockery of a journalist, but he's just, he's a a parody, I should say, of a journalist. And um, he brings out the best of Colby Cringe, just talking about his women and his yachts and whatever else. But uh, that's enough of that fake MMA shit. Let's get back to the wrestling. Okay, three New Japan shows, let's go. We had Still in Osaka, B-Block, well, actually, before that, Gabriel Kidd uh, tapped out to a Yoda Suji Boston Crab. But then in the B-block, I might just try and race through these as best I can. We're pushing it for time here, 45 minutes. All right. <clears throat> Juice Robinson and Yoshihashi. Yoshi proudly wears his trio's belt over his stupid-looking robe. Juice has a flamboyant right-to-sensor look. Um... And it's, I guess maybe it's something to do with Freddie Mercury because he does the Weeble Rock You stomp and clap routine and that gets really over with the fans. They love it. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple left hands. Pulp Fiction, or Friction, I should say. Ends Yoshi Hashi's Night. Juice picks up the win. we got Toriyano and Sonata. New outfit for Sonata as well. A uh, spiky silver futuristic coat and a tiny skull mask Um, Yano's still got that King of the Pro Wrestling trophy that he was the inaugural winner of, the referee finds several rolls of tape in his tights uh, and then later more tape is found in Yano's waistband last year Sonata won this match by leaving Yano locked in the paradise lock uh, up on the ramp and just having him counted out it looks like they try to do that again, but for whatever reason, Uramura frees Yano. So, Sonata goes to tie up Uramura for that, and then Yano tapes them together in kind of that three-legged race deal, and he runs back to the ring and gets revenge on Sonata who couldn't get back in time. So, Yano picks up the win for this one. Silly match, but whatever. Uh, Hiroki Goto versus Kenta. This is a rivalry that continues from the start of the year or maybe it was the end of last year but they <clears throat> they had a, they were the match on the first night of Wrestle Kingdom I believe they target each other's arms Kenta forces a submission with a cross face it is unclear whether or not his US Championship briefcase was on the line when I watched this but later I realized that it uh, it's just like any other title so any victory over a champion in the G1 it doesn't the title doesn't change hands but it earns you a shot so same thing uh, Kenta wins. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Evil. Dick Togo is with Evil, lends his assistance at different stages of the match, including when Zack has Evil tied up and Togo's distraction makes him release the hold. The referee goes down shortly after. Togo attacks, everything is evil, is countered into a sneaky Zack Sabre Jr. pin, and the Brit steals the victory. Fantastic, because I hate that interference. Referee bump rubbish. So, good on ya. Zack Sabre Jr. Evil and Togo vehemently dispute this decision to no avail. Too bad, see you later. So, backstage, Evil continues this dispute. Uh, Zack's a little more more upbeat, though. He says, um... (laughs) This is a great line. He starts his promo with, Hey, Evil. Happy Halloween, dickhead. (laughs) Um he says his next opponent's Naito who's uh, the number one dickhead in the company and he has beaten the former double champ now the next time out he'll beat the current double champ earn his shot at the title meaning he can take the rest of the tournament off citing his need to worry about the tag division as well so uh, economical from Zack Sabre Jr. who'd He, uh, you know, he beats the champion, he knows he gets his title shot, so, you know, why bother with the rest of the tournament? And the main event. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Tetsuya Naito, the battle of the bad knees. Tanahashi hits a high-fire flow to the outside on a standing Naito. Uh, Naito also survives a long Texas cloverleaf. Destino attempt is countered with multiple twist and shout neck breakers. The sling blade is followed by a high-five flow attempt, but Naito slowly rises. He takes it as a crossbody, but then a second high-five flow misses. A running Destino connects, but Tanahashi kicks out. The crowd are into all of this, despite it moving a little slowly, but, I mean, it was a really good match. Um, Naito hits the full wind-up Destino to win the main event, and... only well, Yeah, they both... Uh... Stay down for a long time in the center of the ring. Naito the winner of the main event. Let's move on. Hokkaido, Prefectural Sports Center. Gabriel Kidd versus Yu Yuurimura was the opening match for the uh, second round of the A-block. Yuurimura does his double underhook vertical suplex and uh, picks up the win over Kidd. Oh, sorry, no, that was Kid. Kid does that one. Uh, Yuromori does the, um, it's the suplex that he does, but this was like a vertical kind of suplex version of it, I guess, that Kid does. Um, and... What have we got? Yuromori is angry about it all, about losing. He says he'll prove his worth. Kid is a normal, uh, just, just, just an awful promo. Um, he, he, I mean, he keeps pausing, like I'm doing right now. He keeps, he's getting the most basic promo, but he has to take these constant breaks to think about what his sentence is going to continue with. So it's just these half sentences of, "I'm tough, I'm going to win," and then he has the nerve to compare himself to Billy Robinson. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's in the dojo. I've got to give him some break, some, some, a bit of a break, I guess. But yeah, rubbish. Anyway, Jeff Cobb versus Shingo Takagi. Not a bad one, this one, despite Cobb's involvement. Sorry, I'll stop picking on him. Um, Shingo couldn't get Cobb up at first, but, uh, eventually he gets there for, uh, one of those pump handle drivers he does. I think it's made in Japan. And he goes for the Last of the Dragon. Cobb drops behind. And a quick comeback ends with Tour of the Islands. Cobb wins. Shingo's real upset about it backstage. Um, He's had a poor start to the competition. Looks forward to the next one. How about this for a quote from Jeff Cobb? Okay, I said I'd stop picking on him. Last one. This is what he said. G1. Hard-hitting men. Hitting each other. Hard. Hard. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah, actually, funnily enough, this is one of those better promos. (laughs) Um, anyway, okay, I'm done. Uh, next match. Kazuchika Okada versus Yujiro Takahashi. I never paid enough attention to notice that Yujiro has a pretty cool entrance theme. And, like, the whole presentation. Even without the lovely Peter. But, um... Yeah, whatever. Okada makes him tap with the cobra clutch. Um, I mean, this one went for a while. I think if he just wasn't so adverse to using the Rainmaker, he probably could have made this a two-minute match, but no, he's got to use the money clip. Okay. Um, the promo's weird. Yujiro just seems oddly pleased to have been in there with Okada, despite them having a feud for months. Um, and then Okada's words make him sound disappointed, but his body language says otherwise. He just seems kind of vacant, and he questions himself. He's like, it's when Kazuchika Okada is focused that he truly shines, right? You know, next is, next up's Jay, and he's kind of trying to tell himself that that's what'll fire him up. It's a, a big match with Jay White. I mean, if, it's, it's kind of like Okada's depressed, which, to be fair, I kind of, I would get it. He's been directionless for a while, and he doesn't really have anywhere to go. He's already been the best. He was like 30 years old when he was the GOAT. Where do you go from there? So, yeah, I don't know how kayfabe that is. Anyway, here's a good one. Minoru Suzuki versus Taichi. So, the referee makes a mistake of getting between them early on and pays for it dearly. They both, they're they're going at each other. They exit the ring. They both grab chairs. They're swinging the chairs at each other. Taichi wins that battle. Um, But once the chairs are out of the way, Suzuki starts controlling the fight until Taichi throws him on his 52-year-old head, follows that with Black Mephisto. He's got some bad-ass back suplexes, does... Mr. Tai Chi, um, but yeah, then he hits Black Mephisto, and um, there it is. Tai Chi beats his leader. Opportunity for a guard change? Don't know. Maybe, but um, there's kind of a, a an evil smile on Tai Chi's face as his faction leader stumbles backstage, and then Tai Chi stares at his iron glove, which I don't think he used. I don't remember him using it. Uh, and he stuffs it back in his pouch and walks from the ring um, he's, he's interesting backstage Chi. Suzuki, he just kind of laughs that's his promo he just, ah! just walks off and then <laughs> Taichi, he's coy but he's serious he downplays the victory but uh, at the same time he's like I won because I'm stronger it doesn't matter who the boss is but, you know, you could tell he was saving himself from saying more than he wanted to say. Yeah, he's a good promo Taichi. He's uh, he's interesting. Next up, this is a good match, too. Tomohiro Ishii, and of course it would be, Tomohiro Ishii versus Will Ospreay. Osprey's an idiot. He calls him a little bitch at the beginning of the match. <laughs> it's like slapping him in the corner. So, uh, yeah, paid for that pretty quickly. Um... Yeah, Ishii just kind of stops pretending that Osprey's elbows are capable of damage and just starts battering with his mini tree trunk arms. Um, And then there was a headbutt later on. That was a bad one. I I mean, it could have just been a great sell. But, oh man, it looked like Ishii smashed Will's jaw with a headbutt. Um, so I guess he knows what little bitch means, you know, his English is good enough to know that Osprey deserved a receipt, but, um, actually that was after Osprey countered the brain buster, so he might've just been more offended that Osprey got out of his move, but, uh, yeah, Uh, anyway, Osprey comes back, he hits the hidden blade, hits the stormbreaker, wins the match, um, unfortunately, Osprey backstage does cut a promo, proclaims himself billy the goat that's a cool name um and says he wants to main event wrestle kingdom as a double champion yeah that's uh that's that's a good goal nice one all right main event koto ibushi versus jay white this was pretty funny at the start white's like berating the audience with ibushi kind of mocking chance because he knows that they can't do the chant they just have to clap he's like no 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 stop clapping ibushi <laughs> uh but you know what it's 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 kind of made i don't know funnier or sadder or meaner that the crowd is so obedient like can you imagine him doing that with an american audience they would all just be like okay ibushi shut the hell up like kind of yeah but no one there's not a peep from the audience they just continue clapping um but, uh oh, gee, I don't even want to talk about it. So, Gato distracts dumb dumb Red Shoes by pretending he's going to throw the towel in. And so White low blows Ibushi. And then there's a little bit in between, but then he hits the blade runner, wins the match. These, I don't want to swear too much, these effing referees... I'm so over them being so stupid. You know what? I'm I'm gonna save it because I'm sure there's one more match. I want to get through this. Sorry, one more card, and I want to get through this. And I'm sure there's gonna be an opportunity for me to blow up about it later. So let's just finish this one off. So White's gone crazy. Uh, so he's he's cutting his promo after the match. He's just laying there. He's clapping, kind of sarcastically, I guess. And it's just, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's speaking English, but it, I couldn't even understand what he was saying. And he speaks like me, more or less. Uh, he's just, he's breathless, he's rambling. It's all rather maniacal. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. But I i don't, I'll say this, I don't really like it. I don't like that. Um, it's like, like that Bray Wyatt thing where they, they think that, laughing a lot makes you crazy. It sucks. Don't do that. It's so overplayed. (laughs) Just laughing at everything. Oh, wow. He must be insane. No, he's just a dope. So please don't do that, Jay White. I like you, despite your BS antics. Okay, calm down. All right. Oh, then Ibushi backstage is just dejected for having lost to Jay twice in a row in two big matches, obviously the first one being at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, yeah, all right, last one. Hokkaido still. Yuimura and Suji back at it again. Um, so, of course, Suji wants his win back. He hits a hard spear and then fires up like sloth from the Goonies. Nearly knocks himself out with a running power slam, which... You know, usually a running power slam, you'd turn to the side, but he does it straight on and, like, lands on his head, but he pops straight back up. And um, then he stacks Yui Mora. That's a hard name to say. It's a weird one. He sh- when he goes on excursion, he should be called Tony or something. Um, anyway, then, yeah, he stacks uh, up a pin. That didn't work. He goes into a Boston Crab and just, gosh, they make that move look great is like really trying to get out of the way. He's clawing at the ropes. Nut can't get there. Yoda just sits straight down and just, you know, turns his back into a C shape. Bang. See you later. Yeah, he taps. That was it. Okay. Um. Oh, and then actually when he was getting down Yoda, he... <laughs> Before that though. Actually, I've had this. He had this real, like, all is right in the world kind of smile on his face face as he gazed down at Uramura, who's just, obviously, you know, he just tapped out, he's lying down on the canvas. But then, as Yoda jumped out of the ring, he kind of checked his knee, like he heard his knee jumping out, so I hope that's nothing. Um, And uh, Gabe Kidd was at ringside, giving him the evil eye, but Yoda doesn't even look at him, which is funny, given how apologetic he was just, like, a few days ago toward Gabe Kidd, um, and then another weird promo from Suji. after this, he reminisces about fighting Hanare, this guy's a space cadet, but anyway, I really like him though, by the way, he's my favorite young lion out of everyone, Yoda Suji. that's my man, okay, B-block, back at it, here we go, Hiroki Goda versus Sonata, this wasn't bad, Um, Goto escapes the skull end. They begin a neat little sequence of pin attempts. It's very technical. Sonata hits the Ushiguroshi. That was pretty cool on Goto because he he counted it himself earlier. Um, there was a neckbreaker that set up a moonsault for Sonata, but Goto moved. There was a modified GTR that goes close to ending the match. I think that was when he had him draped over the ropes and did it. Um, but, uh, Sonata just keeps going for the skull attempts. Goto keeps... Reversing them into, uh, you know, different or well, trying to reverse them into different types of moves. He hits a a GTW, which is the Fireman's carry of the GTR, the version Fireman's carry version of the GTR, and then uh, after that, I think it was right before that, he just he hits a normal GTR, wins the match with that. Um, and backstage, to admits that he's getting old, but he is motivated by anger and dreams. What a combo. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Toro Yano. The referee aggressively searches Yano for tape, uh, or anything else that he could find that he shouldn't be there, while Yano loudly protests, why would you treat me this way? The bell rings. Yano rolls out of the ring and asks Tanahashi to follow him. Tanahashi says, no, how about you get back in the ring? This is where we're meant to fight. Eventually, Yano does that, but... um, he takes off the corner pad, and then he throws it to Tanahashi, like as if to say, Hey, look, Rev, look, he's the one doing the wrong thing. And Tanahashi just pretends it's a guitar, and then he throws it back to Ga- um, Gato. What am I talking about? Yano. And Yano pretends it's a weapon. He <laughs> swings at Tanahashi, but he misses. Um, later on, they get dra- Yano drags Tanahashi out of the ring, up the ramp, and the count begins... Yano tries to outpace Tanahashi back to the ring, which, fair cop, he's probably got better knees than Tanahashi does, but the ace makes it back. Um, The tape comes out again, but Tanahashi takes it off him and wraps the tape around Yano's eyes. So the ring count begins, and it looks like Yano's just not going to be able to find his way back to the ring, but he does. He manages to feel his way over and finds it. Although, then... As uh, Tanahashi's about to attack, Yano pulls the referee in front of him. So he obviously was knew where the referee was. And then he ducks the attack from Tanahashi. And then he hits a low blow and rolls him up. So you can see after that that the the tape was pulled up and Yano could see a little bit. And he was playing possum, I guess. So, um, yeah, Tanahashi made the mistake of playing Yano's games. And Yano wins with a swift boot to the balls. Yeah, not a classic, but, you know, Yano match, okay. Backstage, (coughs) Excuse me, let's try that again. Tanahashi's frustrated with the loss, but maintains hopes of further success in the tournament. Yano, for some reason, still pretending he can't see and um, asks for directions backstage. Next match was Juice Robinson versus Kenta. So of course, Kenta uh, has that briefcase, that um, US Championship briefcase that uh, entitles him to a shot at the championship. And of course, Juice Robinson can earn earn himself that briefcase, or no, he can earn himself a shot at the briefcase. So if Juice wins this match and then wins a rematch, and then wins any defenses of the briefcase in between then and the title shot. And then wins the title match. Wow, he's so close to being US champion. Um, okay, but this is the same thing. Juice is doing well. Left hand, pulp friction, bang. Beats Kenta, nice one. Not the greatest match in the world, it was alright. But um, yeah, there you go. He makes his point clear by pointing... At the briefcase. Yes, we get it, Juice. We understand what happened. You're going to have a shot at the title. No, you're not. You're going to have a shot at the briefcase. Oh, that's why I pointed at the briefcase. For idiots like me. Um, you know what? Their promo backstage is actually more interesting. Because uh, Kenta... It seems Kenta is mean when he's talking in Japanese, but he's relatively nice when he's speaking in English. So he starts the promo with... Um, calling like the reporter or maybe the cameraman fat which isn't nice at all but then he starts speaking in English it's kind of he's speaking into the cameras if he's speaking to juice and uh, he said he did great but that he will get payback he continues in English he says back in 2014 he and juice were in the same company he puts in quotation marks maybe sarcastically you know the best company in the business um, and he says that them finally facing each other was a good story. It's it's really kind of odd. it's out of character. Um, I mean it gets a bit edgier toward the end. He says a few bad words in English, but um, and then in Japanese, he calls the same poor person fat, but yeah, kind of a weird promo. Um, yeah, it's, it just kind of seemed like he, he wasn't too concerned that he lost this match and he was looking forward to having another match with Juice. Juice comes back full of energy as always and says he needs to check his underwear after Kenta kicked the shit out of him. He uh, explains to someone off-camera what a shart is and sh- then starts pointing out how many people don't have as many points as he does or don't have more points than he does. So he just goes through all the participants of the G1 with highlights being... Bitchblade Blade and Ass Spray. I don't know why he's going after the fellow gaijins, but, um... They were the good ones. And then he talks about his history with Tanahashi and looks forward to their match, which is his next one. Moving along. Yoshihashi versus Evil. This, to me, on paper, just sounds brutally boring. But, um, you know what? Yoshi saved the day. Um... He runs in with that staff thing that he has and he sticks it straight in Evil's throat and he's pushing it down his gob. Um, and uh, yeah, he has a proper go, old hash browns, but um, Evil's comeback is almost just kind of mocking him. Like, oh yeah, really? Is that what a punch feels like from you? Nice one. Though in fairness to Yoshi, he's, uh, he, he really actually pretty much dominates this match. Um, he's fired up and he locks in the the butterfly lock and I guess it must not hurt too much because evil is in that thing for a fair while he tries at one point to pull on Yoshi's ear to escape so that doesn't work um and then uh yeah I don't know I guess Yoshi maybe realized that this wasn't working so he switches to kind of a hammer lock and then that's when evil manages to scrape his way to the ropes but, uh, yeah, Yoshi threw everything at Evil. Um, and it only took uh, interference from Togo, who hit Yoshi in the back with a chair. And then he's using his chokey cord while. Uh, you know how I said I wanted to go off about the referees earlier? Maybe I'll just do it now. What was this? Evil just has the referee. He's just, he's like basically hugging him in the corner while togo literally chokes like with a cord that's what like hitmen use chokes yoshihashi for i i mean at least like 30 seconds that's a long time if you sit here and one two three four like at least maybe a minute i don't know too long what is the referee doing Oh, hey, evil arts! It's so nice to be up and close to you. What are you doing? are not you meant to be wrestling a match right now? What are you doing? Just disqualify him. They're such bitches. What authority can you possibly try to pretend that you have if you're not willing to use it at all? Ugh. And you know what? It's That might not even be the worst thing about this. It's that a former champion this guy they were meant to be making a world champion of and he's got to resort to this crap to beat yoshi hashi who otherwise kicked his ass what is this about this really annoyed me and i mean it's kind of a shame because yoshi hashi yoshi bloody hashi just dominated a former iwgp double champion no less so i mean it was i mean it, it, it was a cool match if you're a fan of his but Then Evil... Like... When... Like, you know... So, yeah, he gets choked... Um... And then... He... Not only that... He then low blows Yoshihashi... Because... The referee's now hiding in another corner... For some unknown reason... After this has all happened... And... Then he hits his SDF... The, um... Everything's evil... What a... And then he... And then Evil has the nerve to be like... Haha, yeah... I beat that guy... Jesus... What a rubbish match, or booking. The match, I mean, it's not even. Oh, jeez. But these referees need yeah, a kick up the arse. What a geek evil is for celebrating that. Like, oh yeah, how tough am I? Um. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. So there was my rant. Yoshihashi is disappointed to lose backstage. Yeah, because he lost to Evil in the New Japan Cup as well. So. He says he'll be back to beat the crap out of him. Evil says, all his victories are guaranteed. And then, while looking down the barrel of the camera, calls us bastards. No, Evil. You're the bastard. You and your crappy tactics. All right. Getting worked. Getting worked. No, I'm not getting worked. It's definitely not up to the referee to work me. Um, okay. Okay. Tetsuya Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr. is the main event, and yeah, this one, I guess what you'd expect, although you can pretty much say that about nearly every match in New Japan, it's not hard to tell what's going to happen in these ones most of the time, apart from the uh, finish, necessarily, Um, but uh, yeah, pretty good technical, they... Don't really get into it until, like, uh, Zach doesn't really start tangling Naito up until, like, the 25 minute call. So, from there, it's um, really good. They both kind of try their finishes on each other, big move attempts. Uh, Naito hits the running Destino. Zach gets out of the wind up attempt version of it. He hits the Zach driver. Um, Zach goes within a whisker of victory with multiple consecutive pinfall attempts. But then when he goes for another Zack driver, he instead eats another Destino, which Naito then uses to set up the full version, winds him up, Destino, wins via pinfall. So that's two wins for Naito. He um, signs off, does little more than thank the fans, and then does the roll call. Backstage, Zack says, well played, dickhead, before accepting that uh, he'll... ...have to earn his title shot the hard way by winning the tournament. Uh, Naito believed that this match was possibly going to be the highlight of his tour. So he he kind of gives Sabre credit that he always has a, a real tough match with him. Um, he laughs a little bit about Goto beating Sonata, calling it a miracle... ...but is confident that it won't happen when Naito faces Goto in the next round. He looks further forward than that, in fact, despite admitting that he shouldn't have. Um, proclaiming that he'll get an easy win over Sonata as well. That's nice of his friend. And um, then he tells Goto if he wants to beat him, he should go work out under a waterfall. I don't know what that's referring to exactly, but it's pretty funny. Oh, geez, look at that. One minute 15. That is enough. Um, although it's right here, I may as well press on and talk about it quickly uh the press conference for the ufc coming up this weekend dominic reyes jan blachowicz and um paulo costa are all fighting for a championship the first two fighting for the vacant light heavyweight championship paulo costa fighting for adesanya's middleweight championship they're all on a beach the uh, fight island beach um paulo and Especially Izzy are kind of just bickering back and forth pretty immaturely. Um, the light heavyweights are more mature, but they're also boring. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not a lot went on with this one. But when they did the face-offs, Costa has his black belt on. And um, he brought out a, of Sanya a, a little white belt, which Sanya snatches out of his hand and throws it at him. And Dana freaks out, gets between them. They get dragged apart, so... There's uh, some bad blood there, but um, it should be a really good fight, whether that's fake MMA or not. And that's about it. I have a sore throat from all this talking. Um, Big week has gone. Big week ahead with that UFC, the rest of the G1, uh, seeing what happens in Ring of Honor. And um, I guess we got another New Japan Strong, if we care enough about that. But um, thanks for listening. And until next time, have a good one.